You know, the scriptures say that if the foundations are destroyed, how shall the righteous stand? Amen? So we need uh, godly foundations. And that's why, thank God we have his word, amen? We realize we're not animals. We're different than the animals of all the species on the planet that we're different the way we think. I mentioned uh, recently in the message, you know, uh, why God wept or when God wept, where he gave examples. Uh, we're the only out of the thousands or millions of different species. Human beings are created in the image of God and we actually weep. No other, no other creature does. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? And we laugh too. I don't know if any other creatures laugh. I, I know. So he's a hyena. Well, that's not really laughing, I don't think, you know. But uh, it sounds pretty weird though. Uh, but it's just interesting how, but we're creative. We're called to be stewards of the earth. We've got that power. Amen. But it says in the beginning, when we look at the foundations, God made them male and female. Amen. God created us in his image. It, it blows me away that we're actually made in the image of God. I mean, you could have not been made at all, right? Or you could be made a cockroach, killed two of them. Uh, my wife and I did some good teamwork last night. Uh, <laughs> she's like, kill that thing. And she gives me her sandal. There are like two of them on the wall. One was huge. Might have been three because it's that time of the year, spring, two, where I thought it looked like, never mind, it was gross. So I had that thing and I had to pull this thing apart. And I thought if I pull it away and then I smash them, they're going to run away because I got to pull it and I got to go after them. And I said, hey, how about I pull, you take the sandal because she couldn't pull it. I pulled it and she whacked both of them really quick. That was a good job, baby. Good, good job. Whack-a-mole, man. That, you know, back in the arcade days, I guess you got something out of that. Uh, and, but it's interesting because today we've been reduced to cockroaches, animals, you know, and just, oh, that's just whatever you feel. And we've lost the foundations. And in the world system, you would expect the roles to be erased because Satan through Lester Crowley, said the family is public enemy number one. He said that marriage institution is repugnant. Uh, and he, he said, curse them, the family, and so forth. And that's, and he's uh, one of the social leaders of the modern day woke crowd, if you go bring him back all the way to from the 60s until now and before. And, but you know, you're seeing it in the church. Even right now, they're having a Southern Baptist convention this last week, and, and, uh, they had a, you know, where they're looking at Rick Warren, whether his Saddleback Church, which he retired from, could even remain part of the, uh, you know, part of the Southern Baptist denomination, which is the largest denomination in the United States, Protestant denomination. Because right when he left, he appointed three female pastors, which contradicts First uh, Timothy 2 and 3, which says to appoint male answers and male pastors and that uh, women aren't to be have authority or teach the men and so forth. And, uh, and that's been the position of the Southern Baptist movement for years. Uh, and he just, you know, but he has a lot of influence. And the thing is, and we always say it's, it's wrong for a, a man. It's, and it's not just wrong, it's just absolutely disgusting. I'm sorry, it's heartbreaking for a man to want to have a baby, want to nurse a baby and so forth. Well, that's how I feel. It's not natural. The Bible speaks of unnatural desires. It speaks of unnatural affection and natural is the way God created you male or female unnatural yeah there's all kinds of impressions we could have there's we, we got a sin nature right there's all kinds of evil impressions men want to have sex with kids and stuff that's not right okay impressions don't mean it's natural if you have some kind of impression because Satan is a prince of the power of the air and praise God that there are still godly men on the earth and there will be when Christ comes back so there's some good news here, amen, and from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue. We win in the end, okay, and Jesus wins in the end. So if you're on his coattails, if you're part of the body of Christ, amen, you have the victory, and it says that from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue, there'll be people 
uh, that will be redeemed from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue by the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. So I like to keep that in the forefront because sometimes if you look at what's going on now and how what's spreading, and by the way, it's a small percentage of politicians and so forth in the United States compared to the uh, populace of our country that's really pushing this far left woke agenda, which is demasculating men, feminizing men, defeminizing women, masculating women. It's, 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 it's heartbroken and it's, it, it's happening possibly in your household before your very eyes. If you allow your children to just be involved in social media and they aren't taking a stand for Christ and they're not living for Jesus, they're getting all kinds of messages to where you wonder, wow, what, how did my child end up this way? And you know, how my child also wants to marry someone of the same sex. And you have to be very careful. I'm telling you right now, it can happen right under your nose. Dads need to step up and be dads, amen? But I praise God, happy Father's Day for the dads because there's a lot of men, I know a lot of godly men who protect their children, who love their wives, who lay their lives down for their wives who are ready to step in front of a bullet, not only for their wife, but their, for their, their children, amen? We need godly men to step up in these days that we live in, amen? And praise God, there is still that remnant, and there will be that remnant when Jesus returns. But we need to know our calling as men and celebrate, you need to celebrate being a father. What, I always say, I mean, I don't know of any greater gift other than the gospel, Jesus Christ himself coming to the world and being created in his image and being redeemed than a mother being able to bring a child into the world. Praise God, we celebrate, we talked about that recently. We celebrate motherhood, My, it's beautiful, amen? But right up there with it is fatherhood because they do kind of participate in that process, you know, <laughs> without getting graphic. And, uh, but you know, it, it takes... Uh, it doesn't take much to be a biological father. It takes one act. It takes a whole lot to be a true father, a true dad, amen, that's there for your uh, kids, that's a, a husband to your wife that lives a godly example. And I want to encourage you because when Joshua came into the promised land, uh, which is a great picture of how we're to lead our families into the heavenly kingdom, Going into the promised land is a picture throughout the New Testament of going into the heavenly kingdom forever. And they're wandering through the wilderness is a picture of where the church is now in the wilderness and that we need to head for the promised land, amen? And it's interesting because in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 6 through 9, we read, and this is to dads and to moms, and these words, and this is from Moses to Moses, from Yahweh, the one true God, and from Moses to others, including Joshua, who he is uh, uh, setting as himself a pattern because Joshua will be his successor, his protege that he's mentoring to go into the promised land. After these words that I command you today, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, dads, moms. Come on now, I'm just, I love you. Are you being diligent to teach your children God's word? It doesn't say have the pastors teach them, although praise God, or have, have the Sunday school teachers teach them, although praise God. That's all good, amen? Because that's part of the church setting. That's a beautiful thing. But you as parents, to diligently teach your children. And you shall talk to them when you sit in your house. And now if you're not married yet, you're gonna, you plan on being married? Unless you have the gift of singleness? And, and you're, take these things to heart. Say, Dig your feet in the ground and say, this is what I'm going to be. I'm diligent to teach my children. You shall talk to them when you sit down in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as front, uh, frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I remember when I was a kid, I was a teenager, 
you know, I don't know, 13, 14 years old, and I was in Encino, you know, selling newspaper subscriptions, you know, uh, with a crew. My brother Tom and uh, different guys worked with us for some time, and we'd get taken, and we'd give a spiel about winning a trip and stuff, and, and I'd go to these houses, and they'd have, you know, this little tiny canister on the doors, you know, all over the place in Encino at the apartments, and I, was, and I didn't know. I was like, what is that? Then I realized they're Jewish folks, but I didn't realize what was in there. Scripture was in there. That's a tradition they keep to this day, to have the scripture up there. The, the only problem is, for a lot of people, the scriptures aren't written on their hearts. You know, it's supposed to be first in your hearts, amen? And then you're supposed to put it everywhere around you. You're supposed to diligently teach them to your children. But when you go to Joshua, now please turn to the book of Joshua. When you go to Joshua, this instruction of going to the promised land is reiterated, and now Joshua is to lead. And I want to tell you that, that Moses was an example to Joshua. Now Joshua is an example to everybody else. And dads, you're going to be an example to your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And in Joshua chapter 1, we read in verse 6 that Joshua is called to be strong and courageous. And therefore, we need to be teaching our children in this fallen world that we live in, where, where the name of Jesus Christ has become a cuss word. His, he, when people say, oh, S-H-I-T, or oh, this, they've replaced that word a lot of times with the name of Jesus. It's blasphemy. It's using the Lord's name in vain, but also the Christian, uh, so, I mean, that's from the, you know, the spirit and the prince and the power of the air, no doubt. But brothers and sisters, I encourage you in Christ, look what we're supposed to do. Be strong and courageous in light of this. Verse six. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Fathers, mothers too. Our, our heritage is in Christ, Amen. And we need to direct our children to Christ because as soon as they come to Christ and they're trusting in Jesus, they have an eternal inheritance in Christ, amen? But we're still in the, in the wilderness, amen? So you have to point their eyes toward Jesus, okay? So one six, be strong and courageous shall give this people a possession of the land which you swore, or I swore, to their fathers to give them. And now it's interesting because he calls for obedience now. We call our children to obedience to God's word. Look at verse seven. Only be strong and very courageous and be careful to do according to all the law which, my, my, uh, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. That's, are you teaching your children? Now, I'm encouraging you. Just a little bit of, you know, practical application. Teach them all the time. That simple. When you're driving, talk about the word of God with them. When you're sitting around, talk about the things of the Lord. If the Lord is first in your life and you make sure he's first in your life, guess what's going to happen? If you treasure Jesus first, which you ought to be doing as a Christian, Jesus says out of the heart, right? A man takes forth from the treasure that's in his heart, amen? And he brings it forth, the good man. But the evil man brings forth the evil treasure that's in his heart and it brings it forth. What are you treasuring? If you're caught up in pornography and everything, you're just playing video games all day long, you're not going to be very edifying to your children, I, oh, I can't believe you said that. I just played video games right before church. I said all day long, okay? <laughs> Amen? Don't, don't let video games dominate your life. Don't let pornography have even an inkling in your life. We've already talked about how that's one way Satan demasculates men. I just I went into some studies recently, right? How do you demasculate a man? You sit him in front of pornography and the frontal lobes. I was quoting from Neuroscience News, Secular neuroscience news saying that it reduces a man's brain to that of a juvenile and he can't process, think, he can't think anymore. 
basically turns you into a little kid. You can't be a man if you turn into a little kid. That's what pornography does. But Satan wants to say, hey, you want to be a real man? Men are into porn, you know, and tries to make it look cool. It's disgusting. It's not from God. It's evil, okay? Don't let Satan feminize you, okay? First he turns you into a little kid. Then he turns you into worse. So we want to meditate on his word day and night. Now, we, we meditate on the law of Christ, amen? And we look at the Old Testament writings as those things that are warnings and promises that fit into the law of Christ. But we need to have them meditate on the new covenant law. And we also need to focus on what God's word says in the Old Testament. Because they're given as examples, it says, to warn us. 1 Corinthians 10, Romans 15 and 16. They're also given examples that we might have hope. Look at verse 8. There's another command. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall what? Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will, uh, it'll make you what? It'll make your way what? Prosperous. Then you have what? Success. Brothers and sisters, come on, man. I'm in it. I, I just beg you, meditate on God's word day and night. You'll be prosperous. Remember Psalm 1? It'll be like the tree that's planted by the water, right? And when everything else is just getting dry, and the leaves are drying and crumbling, man. Your leaves will be green. You'll be strong still. So that means I'm encouraging you, the men and the, and the sisters in this fellowship, meditate on God's word. I mean, uh, it's not that hard to apply. I mean, it's like, well, I got to go work for eight hours. I got to, you know what I used to do for years? I mean, I memorized half of the book of Revelation going to work and back. Boom. I got four car accidents at the same, no, I didn't get four accidents, I'm kidding you. But I did memorize his book, half the book of Revelation that way. And I stopped it halfway through because I, they, the elders asked me to be full time as a pastor. And I'm like, now I've got to memorize a whole lot of other scriptures I can't, and I've got to focus on a lot of different scriptures from my memory bank, you know? And I thought, and, and pre prepare for messages, counseling, and everything else. So I thought, hmm, what do I do? Do I get the best, best book of Revelation down, or do I just, or do I, and I want to me memorize a lot more, you know, practical type of verses. Well, which I had a lot of those by the grace of God memorized. But guys, you go to work, sisters, you go to work. I'm not saying, you know, I mean, I put it right there. And you know what I've done, and this, just if it can encourage you, if it can help you. Take a verse. Let's say you're struggling with temptation. You're saying, man, he just says, you know, how, how do I deal with that? First of all, you repent. You realize that you're made in the image of God and that he gave his life for you. And what a, what a, I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than God becoming a man and powerful and laying down his life and being slaughtered for you. That should inspire you right now to want to be right with God, amen? Even before Jesus did that, because you're creating God's image, amen? And God is good and he's holy. That should inspire you to live a holy life. But when you consider also what Jesus did for you, if that doesn't get you over the hump of obedience, ha, how could we, you know, not serve and love the one who gave himself for us? We love him because he first loved us. And you say, if you love me, obey my commandments, amen? But I would take a verse, for instance, like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, or 12 and 13, and just put 12, very easy, memorize. Verse 12, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. So easy to memorize that. You could say that a few times during this message, eight, 10 times, and you already have that down maybe. Well, I'll take 20, 30 times maybe. Well, praise God, whatever it takes. Well, what if I do it and I don't memorize it? Well, praise God, the word of God's in you, though. You're, you're in the word of God, amen? And then verse 13, there's no temptation that's taking you, but that which is what? Common to man. But God is faithful, who with the temptation, right, also will give you a way of escape. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will give you a way of escape that you may be able to endure it, amen? So just memorize scriptures. And guess what? Jesus, how did he defeat Satan in the wilderness? 
Satan tempted him and he would say, it is written. And he'd quote scripture. And when you look at what he quotes, it's all in the same vicinity in Deuteronomy, which appears, we don't know for sure, but it looks like he'd been meditating in the few cha- so many chapters of Deuteronomy at the time because he quotes different verses right from Deuteronomy, which shows me that he was meditating on them as well oh, to one degree or another, amen? And he quotes him and he defeats Satan by quoting scripture. And Paul says, as believers, we have this weapon, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's what Jesus did. Now, if the son of God needed to use scripture to defeat Satan and repel him, how much does little old Pastor Joe need to do that? And how much more do you need to do that? Amen. So I want to encourage you as men, get the scripture in you. Okay. Well, I can't remember that good. Well, if you play a lot of video games, you remember you got to do this, then you remember you got to do that, you got to remember to do this, you got to remember to get this, you, gotta do you remember a thousand and one things. Don't tell me you can't remember, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That's pretty simple. Amen. No more excuses. No, no, I don't memorize as good as uh, this person. Or, well, I'm not saying that. But you remember how to get out of here? You remember how to get home? You can remember scripture. I, all of you, all of us, amen. We need to meditate on his word day and night amen and then verse 9 i love this and it's and this is something you want to be encouraging you want to encourage your children and as your wife as well have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not tremble or be dismayed for the lord your god is what with you wherever you go you need to exemplify that to your children have that confidence exude that confidence by spending time with the lord in prayer amen get up in the morning first thing you should do is seek him Okay, I'm far from perfect, but I know how to walk with God. Okay, so oftentimes this morning, boom, I'm laying on my back, my hands are up, you know, through the night often, you know, don't always put my hands up, sometimes I'm laying on my belly, right? But I'm like, Lord, you know, and get on my, uh, sit on my bed, seek the Lord, you know. Even before I came up here, during a little bit of Jimmy's talk, I was able to uh, pray to my office. I was able to go there and get on my knees, go back there, not saying anything about myself, Okay, but a lot of this past, this message day is about being an example for your kids. We need to be example ones, one to another, amen? But I won't usually tell you I went back there and prayed on my knees or whatever, and I don't always have time to go back there and pray on my knees, so I'm not saying I do, but, I, but we all need to be seeking Jesus, amen? amen? I don't dare come up here without crying out to God, you know? Because I won't be filled with the Spirit, I'll be filled with Joe, and you won't be very edified if I'm not seeking God. Well, you won't be edifying your children and building up your wife and your kids if you aren't praying, but I love this. He's with them, he says, as they go into the promised land. What did Jesus say to you and me as we witness the loss and we shine the light of Christ and we make disciples? He said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen? And it's such a beautiful passage. Now, I want to talk. I thought, Lord, and I've given, I try not to ever repeat a Father's Day message, but, and I, this isn't a repeat, but I thought, you know, I love, I found that there's an, you know, I've, look at certain Greek words that when you're studying scripture, and some use, there's different translations that are translated of Greek words, different Greek words used that are translated example, or pattern, or model, and I thought, wow, you know, I've studied those words in the past, one, two, and then I realized, wow, there's a, you know, three or four very interesting Greek words, four or five maybe, that are translated example, and I thought, you know what, I want to talk today, and it's been on my heart for some time months preparing for this message off and on and I'm thinking man I'm dead way more I mean there was like about 70 pages okay I will it down to 14 I'm gonna skip some of my some of my stuff too my problem isn't like what do I say often usually it's like what do I keep out you know 
So, but I, I wanted to talk about being an example, amen, as fathers. Because you, contrary to what the world says, who wants to demasculate you, throw you just to the curb and say men aren't important, man. The Bible warns, like in Isaiah chapter 2, it talks about how women became the leaders. That was, that was a judgment on God's people, you know. And women have their place and men have their place, amen. But, and they're equal before God. In Christ there's neither male nor female. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28, amen. Jesus died for us all the same. But women have privileges and a role that men should never try to have. And if Satan wants to demean, oh yeah, kids, bring kids in the world. Yeah, they, you could just kill your little babies in the womb. And now the world's like, rah, 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 let's keep that right alive. It's satanic. The most beautiful thing that is in existence other than be redeemed by the blood of Jesus, amen, has been made like an evil thing and kids are treated, treated as cancers and tumors in the womb. It's absolutely wicked. Well, same thing, men, you are not to abdicate your responsibility that God has given you. And it's interesting, when you go to, go to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, and when you go to 1 Peter chapter 2, Paul talks about being an example here. I'm sorry, Peter talks about being an example here. How Jesus is an example for us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Look what he says here. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you what? An example for you to follow in his what? Steps. steps. 1 Peter 2, 21. What are his steps? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, man. He suffered to do what was, even though he had to suffer, he did what's right. Even though he had to suffer, he walked in holiness. He didn't reject God. He could have called 12 legions of angels and he'd still have been in the will of God to some degree, right? Obviously, uh, if he said he could have done that, he could have done that. But he didn't because he wanted to fulfill the perfect will of the Father. And he went to the cross and he paved the way for us. He's a forerunner that's gone into the promised land, into the heavenly kingdom. But if you back up, look at 1 Peter chapter, chapter 1, verse 16. Verse uh, 15. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am what? Holy. You, brother, sister, you guys are created in the image of God. You're called to be holy because he is holy. Amen. Look at verse 17. Talking about our soldier and through the promise, or to the promised land now. Verse 17. If you address the Father, the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves how? Come on, verse 17. Conduct yourselves how? In fear during the time of your stay on earth or your sojourning here on earth or your pilgrimage here on earth, depending on your translation. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but by but what? With precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Man, he died for us. He made us, he died for us. And we are passing through here. Your life is a mere vapor. It will be over pretty soon, okay? Vapors don't last very long compared to eternity. Your life is almost over here on this planet. And we need to make sure that we're right and we pass our sojourn here in fear and that we follow whose steps. Jesus left us an example. Let's go back to 221. What kind of example did he leave us? He committed what? No sin, verse 22 now. He committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. We just read that as we pass our sojourn here on this earth, we're supposed to be holy as he is holy, amen? And then it says he's left us an example. It says he committed no sin. There wasn't deceit found in his mouth. Dad, don't be cussing, okay? Don't be using destructive language. I encourage you in the name of Jesus Christ, may the Holy Spirit convict you because it grieves the Holy Spirit of God. In Ephesians chapter four, it says be angry but don't sin. 
Amen? Don't sin. And it says, let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only words for edification that you can build other people up in the faith. Amen? Amen. It says, then it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That grieves God's Holy Spirit. Your mouth, if you're really a Christian, belongs to the Holy Spirit because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So as I've said recently, you know, what are you saying with the Holy Spirit's mouth? What are you looking at with the Holy Spirit's eyes? They belong to him. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We belong to God. We're not our own, it says. So I'm encouraging you men because guess what? You have a potty mouth, it'll encourage your children to have a potty mouth. But how do we have potty mouths? Maybe because we have potty hearts, okay? Because out of the heart comes. So if you're just cussing like a sailor all the time, you can care less about it. Don't you fear the Lord? It says to pass your children here in the fear of the Lord. It says let no abusive speech come out of your mouth. And Hosea puts, a, puts cursing, you know, swearing and all this stuff with, with murder. It puts in the same area. Whew, wow. This is serious. So Christ didn't, was reviled, but he didn't revile back. And there was no deceit found in his mouth. Speak the truth. Verse 23, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Amen. This is awesome, you know. And he committed himself to the, she, the, the chief shepherd, the shepherd and guardian of our, your souls. We're supposed to continually give ourselves to the Lord. But you know what? The interesting word there is a Greek word. It's hupogramon. And Hooper Grammon is that, that translated example. So if you're reading the Greek New Testament, you'd read Hooper Grammon, which means overwritten. I mean, literally, it means to, it's a really cool word. It was used uh, for tracing letters to learn the alphabets for kids. But it was used in a lot of different ways to where you'd put a piece of paper over something that was already written and you'd trace it. And it came to be used as an example, to be an example so that is so cool. No kidding, Israel. It's, it's so cool because guess what? That means you are supposed to live your life in such a way where your kids can trace it. He gave himself as an example, amen, to us. So we could copy his life. And when we're reviled back and we're told, hey, you know, uh, you know, deny Christ or we'll kill you. Jesus Christ is my Lord, amen. He's my savior, do with me what you will, but guess what? To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. And you went right there and say, God, give me words to witness to my captors. For those who go into captivity will be going to captivity. It says those who be killed with a sword will be killed with a sword. Revelation chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. And it calls for perseverance of the, of the believer at that point. So we need to pray and say, Lord, but it says the Holy Spirit will give you utterance to speak. Amen? Because it's his mouth he wants to use. We're part of the body of Christ. We're his hands. We're his feet. Amen? So allow yourself to use, be used for God's glory. So Hooper Grammo, okay, and uh, or also, you know, uh, Hooper Grammon, and it refers to writing or drawing uh, that placed, was, when one sheet was placed under another piece of paper so you could trace the upper, uh, trace from the upper piece. And I mean, Peter is writing this. What did his Lord do for him? He referenced in chapter one. He was crucified, amen? What happened to Peter. He was crucified too, wasn't he? Some say upside down. He followed his Lord's example, amen? And he leaves us an example. So it's interesting. But you know what? We're supposed to follow Jesus' steps. Follow, supposed to follow the way of righteousness. Right now, man, a lot of people are just partying and everything like, you know, like there's no tomorrow. And Christians ought not be getting drunk. They ought not. In fact, look at 1 Peter 4. What's the steps we should be walking? Look at verse 3. 
For the time already has passed, sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the flesh, or the desires of the Gentiles. Meaning, man, in your past life, you did the desires of the Gentiles. You parted like them, you, you know, did all the wicked things they did, but then what does it say here? Having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, that means partying, drinking parties, he spells it out, and a bottle of idolatries. Wow. And all this, they are surprised, that means the world that you left, the people that you used to hang out with, they're surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation. And they what? And they malign you. You ever lose friends because you started following Jesus? I lost family and friends at first. Then I continued to pursue Jesus. Now I could have said, oh, you know what? I'm just going to try to fit in with them and use the same language with them and kind of drink with them and try not to get too drunk and just be cool. Guess what? I don't think I would have won any of them to Christ. But I was able to see all seven of my, besides my six others, all seven of us came to Christ in time, you know? And my closest friends turned to Jesus. And two that didn't were dead within four or five years, both drinking when they died, okay? And they were the outskirts of my most intimate friends, but they hung with us. And I'm telling you, and that's not always going to happen that way, but you have a far better opportunity to win people to Christ if you're walking and living a holy life than if you're not. Amen? Amen. But, verse 5, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Those who are maligning you because of your faith, expect it. You're going to be maligned. But you're blessed. It says in Peter, when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, it says in Peter, the Holy Spirit rests upon you and God gives you grace. He'll give you grace. Amen? Be an example. Do not give in to this world system that we're living in. I mean, when the government tells you things, well, this is science. First, Fauci's saying, oh, yeah, you know, uh, these masks don't even work, you know. Don't, you don't have to run around with these masks on. Later, oh, no, I was lying. He didn't use the word lying, but he said, he's lying. Oh, I was lying about it. And then if you get these vaccinations, you will not. He said it. Biden said it. You will not get, uh, you know, COVID. They both said you will not get it. Well, he just got it. Okay, and he's been vaxxed, I don't know, and with the boosters four or five times, he's had four or five shots. I'm not saying, what I am saying is, guess what? When the government says this, that, the other. Oh, and by the way, I've been saying for, for a long time, when they're saying that these masks, these bandana, oh, you just wear a bandana. You know, that's, the, and that'll protect, it's like, how many people were killed because people were bandanas when they went and visited grandma and spread the disease to her thinking it was gonna work? How much blood is on the government's hands, Amen. Now, they say that the, the N95 mask helps 50 to 55% of the time. That's good. But why, not, why don't they emphasize that? Why don't you pour all kinds of money into making that one? At least grandma has half a chance of not getting it from you better, you know? But there's just all this spin, all these things going on. Now, I'm encouraging you right now, whatever, that you can't just, well, in the name of science, they kind of baptize, science just means knowledge. The Bible warns about knowledge that's falsely so-called, Amen. Have to be careful with everything. And yeah, I mean, hey, if, if I wore an N95 around somebody that came and she was very old and she could get it, you know, around my mom or someone, you know, and I might have COVID and not know it, yeah. If it gives, gives me, probably gives me better than 2% chance, which the other masks give, right? I understand that. But when so I'm not poo-pooing using a mask at certain points, but I'm saying God's the only one that's perfectly straight with us, amen? amen. And God speaks of those things that are eternal, how to know him, have eternal life, amen? So we need to, 1 Peter 5, 8, we need to make sure we don't run with the wicked. Remember he says they're surprised that you don't go run and party with them anymore? Well, if you are not living a holy life and you still go party with them, he's not talking to you. And you need to get right with God, amen? They need to see a distinction in 
your life. 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. Look at what he says to leaders. Nor let as lording it over those allotted to your charge. Talking about elders. Don't lord over people that are under your charge, but proving what? To be what? Examples to the flock. So even as Christ left us as an example, you leaders, and this would apply to parents too as far as by a more wider explanation or expanded application in just your godly life, is be an example. Now, as a parent, you are to, you know, <laughs> you are to lead uh, your children in a way where you are going to lord it over a bit because you're in the home. Amen? But you're supposed to be an example to them, which we're going to talk about. But look at verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Be of sober spirit. Why? Be on the alert. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, affirm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Brothers and sisters, it's imperative that you remain sober-minded because we are in a spiritual war. We're not in heaven yet, amen? We're in the wilderness, and we're headed toward it. So in, by way of application at your own house, don't be getting drunk. And don't fall for one of the most ridiculous deceptions ever. Oh, well, look, I'm drinking some wine and, you know, I can have a few wines of glass because, after all, Jesus turned water into wine, and that must mean he wants me to get drunk. No, because Jesus, the word of Christ says, don't be deceived. Drunkards will not inherit God's kingdom. And also understand, I've told you before, the wine that you get today is not the same as the wine that the Jews drank. They mix it one part to four four, three, four parts water, four, five parts water, depending on who you read back in those, those times. In the New Testament times, just, just, just t you can just do a search on mixing water with wine in Jesus' day. Talk about the church fathers, even the Romans. It says the pagans barely mixed their water with wine. They still mixed it though. And by the way, the wine today, straight wine today, it's not just straight wine because the content of alcohol in Jesus' day, just straight wine, which was considered a strong drink, is a lot stronger because what do they do with wine today? Do you know what the word is? It's fortified. They'll say it in the bottle. They put more alcohol in your wine. So if you're acting like this is the same kind of wine that Jesus made, honey, you know, it's not a bad thing. You're saying, Joe, but Joe, wait a minute, man. You're saying, I, I don't, I barely drink a little bit. It does not affect me. I don't get, you know, and I'm not, it's not inebriating me. It's not affecting me at all. Am I talking to you in that? I'm not talking to you. Well, but I'm convicted. Well, if you're getting drunk, you should be. I'm not getting drunk. Then you shouldn't be. It's that simple, amen? But for me personally, I don't have to worry. To me, it's, I don't have to play by the edge and wonder if I'm grieving God's spirit and so forth. You know why? Because I don't have a drop, drop of alcohol. Amen. You know? I met my wife. She was in an AANACA, and she had the same conviction as me, man. And then she came to Jesus. She realized she didn't need 12 steps, and that would have been 36 steps, I guess. I don't know how you quantify that. But she needs, I said, you just need the one step. You need Jesus. Amen? And praise God. But I want to encourage you dads, because there's a lot of dads that claim to be Christians, but they're not spending time with their kids because they're in the bottle. They hang out with the guys, you know. And I just encourage you in the name of Jesus. Now, of course, you're saying, hey, I have, I have just a little bit, but it's not to get drunk if that's not my purpose and I'm not getting drunk. Praise God. No problem with that at all. Just don't deceive yourself. Because I'm sure there's a ton of people that say that. I'm not an alcoholic. I still go to work on Monday. You know, be careful, be careful, be careful. The next word I want to talk about is not Hooper Gramon or Hooper Gramo, depending on the Greek transliteration, is a word called memetes. 
memetes. Now, memetes is a Greek word that's very interesting. Here we get pantomime and you know, mimograph and or mimograph and mime from that word, a mime, or a, we get the word mimic from it. It's not used. Sometimes we think of the word mimic today and it's kind of used in a, in a derogatory sense, but in the Greek it could mean good or bad. Mimic meant to follow someone's example. And this word is used, this word uh, memetes, which we get mimic from, it's used throughout the scripture. It's found six times. If you got the New American Standard Version and the Greek manuscripts that they use, it's used, it's in six, it's translated six times, uh, that Greek word. And it's just interesting. It's used by Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Follow me, remember that when Paul says this, be imitators of me just as I am an imitator of Christ. Amen? So who's Paul imitating? Christ. Christ. He says, be imitators of me just as I am also an imitator of Christ. That's pretty powerful, huh? Oh, yeah. Now, Jesus, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? Father. The Father. The Bible says he's the exact representation of the Father's person in Hebrews chapter 11, verse few verses. First few verses. In the Greek uh, New Testament in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says, it speaks of him as being in the, the image of the Father, the image of God. And the word's icon there. And that word was used of the image of Caesar, Nero, Caesar at the time, on the coin. The coin, it was used of him, the image of him on a coin. So you see Jesus, you see the Father. And guess what? Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That means God expects him to be an example, but Paul tells Timothy in Timothy that you've seen my example, Timothy, you followed it in holy conduct, in, in righteousness, in persecutions and sufferings. He says, Timothy, you teach others in 2 Timothy 2.2 2, what I've taught you so they could teach other faithful men and they could teach others. So this image, this imitation thing, we're supposed to be imitating Christ. Well, I'm trying, but I'm not close to where he's at yet. But man, you put on Christ. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I read about a man who had a, a somewhat deformed face and he put a mask on of his handsome man. He put this mask on his face, you know, and for some time, and it was, I'm, I'm sure the story is made up because, it, you know, the story is written that, you know, nobody knew it was a mask, right? And he just looked so handsome. And then finally someone realized this guy's wearing a mask. And he said, take off your mask in front of a bunch of people. He took it off, and then that mask had been on him so long that his face had conformed to the image of that mask, <laughs> where he was handsome all of a sudden. They're like, oh, wow, he looks the same, you know? Well, the point is, man, is put on Jesus, amen, and seek to be like him, and in time, you'll change. You'll be transformed, amen? You'll become more like him, amen? But don't put on a mask on your face, okay? Otherwise, that, you'd be the hypocrite if you're not acting like Jesus, right? Put the mask, put Christ in your heart, Amen? Let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, amen. Let him, set him as Lord in your heart, Peter says. Put him first in your heart. Follow me. Be imitators of me. And that's where Paul used memetes in that, in that verse. He uses it also in Ephesians 5.1, which I think is amazing because he talks about in Ephesians 5.1 about how, you know, that we're supposed to be imitators of God. Wow. It's powerful. And then we have it also in 1 Thessalonians 1.6 where it says you, have became, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Wow. You, Thessalonians, became imitators of us and of the Lord. Those are all memetes verses. Okay? Imitators of us and of the Lord. And you know what? If you look at it, when you first look at that, 
imitators of us and of the Lord. I would think you'd say imitators of the Lord and of us. You'd put the Lord first, right? But we're never right. God's word's always right, okay? So whenever you see something that's like, oh, it's because we have lack of understanding. And then when you think about it, it's because guess what? He's doing the logical order, not as far as priority, but guess what? The Lord influenced them, right? They imitated him. Now we imitate those Christian leaders, amen? So it's interesting to understand is that he's talking about uh, the order by which they imitated and then we are to imitate them. In fact, Hebrews 6.12 says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. This is after he gives one of the strongest warnings against apostasy falling away. So that to realize the full assurance of hope until the end and that you will not be sluggish, but listen, you will not be sluggish, but you will be imitators. Memetes. Memetes. You'll be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And he's talking about those who pass their soldiering, amen, and end up in the kingdom of God. So we're supposed to be imitators of those who've gone on before us. In Hebrews 13, 7, it says, just now regarding the, uh, the remembrance of uh, godly men that speak, who spoke the word of God, consider, consider the outcome of their faith and imitate their faith. We see this over and over again. So what's he talking about? Imitate the Lord but also set an example so other people can imitate your faith. And that means, sir, that means dad, that means father, please. You need to be a powerful representation of Jesus Christ in your home. Amen? Your children need to see you and say, man, my dad loves Jesus. Man, his life is all about Jesus, you know? The first thing that should come to your, your, your mind when you think of dad as a child is when you think about him is that he's sold out. He loves Jesus, Amen? I just got the five-minute sign. Wow. I, I, come on. I had 70 pages. I reduced to 14. I'm only three pages in. Keep going. That's, that's awesome, but you're not watching the kids, and you know what I'm saying up there. <laughs> And I love you, sister, because we, you know, but hey, I barely got into this. So next week, and I'll apply it to, hey, women, are you getting something out of this too? Okay. Hopefully you are. An African chief once said, a good example is the tallest kind of preaching, you know? And it is. Be a good example. And I've left so much in the bone, but if you leave here saying, man, I'm going to try to be the best example I can, amen, as a, as, a, as a dad, as a mom, as a single brother, single sister, amen. And by the way, single people are not secondary citizens of the kingdom of God. By the way, Jesus was single. Oh, he's engaged and we are his bride. But I mean, he didn't have a physical other, that one particular person he was married to. The apostle Paul who wrote half the New Testament, single, Amen. And he said, I would all were as I am, but I know not everybody has that gift, he said. So praise God, wherever you're at, whatever station in life, be an example, amen? Because Timothy, as far as we know, you know, I mean, he's living the example that Paul's living, and they're all being these godly examples, and Paul had children of the faith, you know? So I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage you in the name of Jesus to make sure you put the Lord first, because and I'm just going to finish with the mimic aspect, and then, we're, then we'll get into the next word next time. But uh, remember, the, any of you guys see the 1975? We're going way back now, almost, you know, what, 30 
plus years. Jaws, 1975 movie Jaws. It's hard to find movies that are clean, you know. And some time ago, I was like, you know, you know, we, we could watch Jaws. That was a pretty cool movie, you know. Plus, my wife had wanted to go to the beach a lot lately. I said, I'll, I'll teach her, you know. You know. Not, not a true story, but I did watch Jaws with her, or watch Jaws. And, and I, there was that little part that I thought was pretty touching, where the dad, the constable, he's like the main guy, you know, like, how do I control these beaches? And he's in this deep thought about this Jaws is like terrorizing their beaches. And he's got his hand in his face. And he's like, like thinking he's in a faraway and his kid's there eating or something. And every time he goes like this, the kid does whatever he does. He mimics him. And then he sees his kid doing it, but he pretends he doesn't. So he starts doing other things. And his kid starts doing it all. And it's just so cute. And you're like, but the idea is, guess what? Kids are looking to you. They're imitating you. Wouldn't it be cool in the movie if, they, if it was Christian made, all of a sudden he'd whip out his Bible and say, praise Jesus, kids, praise Jesus, you know. But it didn't really go that far. But guess what? We are influencing our children, amen? And fathers are so Father, Dad, you are so, so important. And God, you're made in the image of God to be a father, to lead your children into his eternal kingdom, amen? Recognize how important your role is. You say, I don't have children. <sighs> Look at Jim and Rochelle. They have all kinds of kids, man, amen? And they're helping these kids come into the heavenly kingdom. So whether you're a father, a mother, or not, as Paul said to Timothy, you are my true son in the faith. We don't think Paul had any children, but he had all kinds of them. You that are involved in Sunday school, you, you that are involved in, in teaching young people, you that are involved in youth ministry. Praise God for you guys, man. Because those kids are the future generation of the church of the living Jesus, amen? What you're giving, it says in Hebrews chapter six, God is not unjust to forget how you've ministered to the saints and he will bless you, he'll reward you, Amen. So don't quit doing what you're doing. This life is quick, man. When you say, oh, there's a need with the children to step up. There's a need because there's, this kid's not, no one's discipling this young guy. Nobody's ministering to this person. Be the part of the solution, amen? Because if we're all ministering to different people, there are a lot more people gonna be blessed, amen? And we're gonna help these young men become great fathers, amen? These young ladies become great mothers. And let's pass out the cup and the bread. Praise God. Can we all please stand?